Hello and welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is our on Sunday episode. That's the episode of the church of podcast? The yeah. episode of the podcast. Uh-huh. Where the pastors get together <laughs> in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. Nice. Rob, how was your week? All right. How's your son doing? Um, my son is good. He is about to walk here from from elementary school for the first time. What a responsible he, young lad. He is, thanks to the miracle of technology and having a, a smartwatch, um, which is honestly makes things really cool because I'm able to like track him and communicate with him really well. Mm-hmm. I'm able to trust him to walk a few blocks. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I was a kid, I walked all over the place, but... Yeah, definitely just got on your bike and went. Yeah, like nowadays, it's... I don't know. People are much more hesitant. I it's mean, a different world. I guess it's a different world. But anyways, he's he's good. My daughter this past week, unfortunately, was not as good. She came down with hand, foot, and mouth disease, as this, which sounds horrible. <laughs> I mean, I guess it kind of is. It's like you get sores in your mouth and your hands and stuff. But and your feet and your feet. She didn't have any on her feet. in her in her foots. She, so she <laughs> just had hand and mouth disease. Hand, kind of. She had a few on her hand and and then in her mouth. So she had to stay home from daycare and church and so she was home for most of last week and that meant her and and Mallory had to miss church and stuff but Mm. because it's really it's really contagious with other kids Mm. who swap spit constantly and snot everywhere yeah um so we had to keep her sequestered um (laughs) which made last week kind of kind of a challenge um because it was like we had the we had Halloween um, right, that was last mm. Monday, right? Yeah, Gosh. last Monday. Yeah, it's been a long week. It's weird because we also had the podcast after that. But anyways, um, you know, so after that, the week was a little bit of a blur. But but uh, yeah, hopefully we can get back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Normal normalcy is starting to settle in, as is the <laughs> rain. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Yep. Aaron, how was your week? Uh, well, pretty good. I. My dad and I went hunting, and uh, oh yeah, big my, news! Yeah, big news. we were able to put down a deer. My dad had a hip surgery <clears throat> a while back, and so he was able to sequester. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the right <laughs> word. Uh, he you wanted just wanted to, to use it. It's a good I know, word. It was a good word. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> basically was able to acquire a disability hunting tag, which oh. means that if he gets a buck tag in a certain certain zones then he is also able to uh tag a doe same is true for elk so if he had a a bull tag for elk then he could put down a cow elk um what does having a disability have to do with it i think it's just just accessibility you know your your ability to get out in the woods and do stuff you know Mm. so i think to make it sort of not equitable might not be the right (laughs) word but just like accommodating mm. to people uh, who have disabilities. And so, yeah, they want to get as many people out there and, and hunting and things like that. I mean, even if you're a veteran, I think, there's there's certain categories like a lot of other places, right? If you're a veteran or senior, you, you get certain perks. Um, gotcha. Disability has the same thing. And so we were able to uh, put down a dough and put some meat in the freezer, which was pretty rad. And so, but it was a cool father-son experience, you know, um, we, he, he, my dad, we love, you know, hunting and being in the outdoors, my dad, especially. And so it was a, it was a good time and, uh, we, him and I were together. So it was a good father-son experience. I wish my daughter was there with me, my little seven-year-old and watching us, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get anything dad. quarter up a deer. You just, oh yeah. You just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do it right. You just want to rub it in her face. That we could get something. <laughs> Doe, you say? Does Doe. she believe you now? You, yeah, she was. Oh man, when we came home, she was so excited for me. <laughs> we had a good time, but yeah, ha- that happened. And then um, we, uh, I had a service for Ron to Tone yesterday mm-hmm. after church, mm-hmm. and that was that was a special time because uh, I mean, obviously, he was an amazing man and a member here at the church since the 40s and just did so much for this church and for this community and so it was great to be able to celebrate him and to be able to uh, minister to the family and be there for them at that time and 
Um, anyway, so that's what kind of, yeah. but it made for it's a really very, nice very long day. Mm-hmm. I was at church at, you know, eight in the morning and then I left the reception at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. So it was just a really long day. Um, but a, but a good day, good mm-hmm. day of ministry for sure. And a, a huge amount of, you know, people came to celebrate his life. Oh yeah. Nice Our church, every seat was basically full. Yeah. 260 people were here. Which is, it's, it's wild to think about how many people are going to be at your funeral. Yeah. You know, like, are there going to be this many people coming Mm. to my funeral to Mm. celebrate my life? And I don't know. It's just, it's sort of humbling. It's, it's an interesting, you know, thought experiment for yourself. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it. How (laughs) dare you, Cody? uh, No, not for you. Not for you. I just did the thought experiment. Oh, you're like, saying uh, you doubt it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying That'd like, so not for you, jerk. <laughs> <That'd be so laughs> you, you'd be lucky to have two or three people at <laughs> your funeral. That's extremely rude. No. <laughs> That's oh. not what I was saying. <laughs> That's funny. How was your uh, week, so Cody? Hobbling that. around on your uh, dude. It's all right. I'm off hurt crutch. ankle. I'm off crutches. That's good. Okay, good. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is still super annoying. Yeah, I bet. You asked me today if I was self self conscious about my boot that you've been having on your foot. Yeah, which I uh, I said not really, but I, I'm aware <laughs> that it looks stupid everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not self conscious. Wait a minute. I'm not self conscious about it. What is the definition of self conscious? <laughs> I'm not self conscious about it. I just am aware that, You're, I look that it's stupid. there. You're That's just funny. conscious within yourself that yeah. you have a So nothing there. cool, nothing exciting in your week? <clears throat> Pretty Man, normal? I think it's been chill week a little bit. I mean, besides that and, like, trying to do youth didn't you have a and Didn't you have an end of the soccer we season party a, on yeah, Tuesday or end, something end like that? End of the soccer season party, which was cool. Um and that's why it was a chill week because soccer season's over. Right. I mean, yeah, my Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday back. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yep. Yep. Anyways, we were back in Exodus this week. Back in is that Exodus. that that's the transition. That that's was the transition. Right yeah, that was a nice one. This mm-hmm. is the transition. That was one of our smoother ones. <laughs> oh, was it? So <laughs> smooth. felt pretty jarring to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, one of our smoother transitions. I did. I did something to Cody this week that I don't normally do maybe mm-hmm. three times a year max yeah um i called him saturday night and said hey can we change one of the songs <laughs> for tomorrow uh when i realized i wanted to change the title of my sermon or the direction i was going uh to the god who makes a way and so we did mm-hmm. Waymaker, and we threw out another in the fire or something like that which but really you threw it on noah yeah, like exactly. Newest musicians. Yeah. Well, really on, on the, the whole band, but I yeah, for sure. On he, him. Was exci- <laughs> he was excited to do another in the fire. And then I was like, well, you want to sing Waymaker instead? <laughs> yeah. And, but you did and a he great did job. It, on. He did. He did do a great job yeah, on it. I'm excited it. for him to do more songs. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, I actually, I have to tell you guys, I put this in, in the run sheet here. Mm-hmm. Um, how are these events? So I, I listened to, to a sermon and the pastor did the classic pastor thing. It was a sermon on this passage of scripture. It was actually on chapter 14 specifically, uh, not just the pillar, the earlier part in the pillar of fire in the cloud. Um, but he told, he told a joke in the beginning and it was this, it, it was a main, mainly based off a true story, but he was making fun of, uh, like a liberal pastor. And when I say a liberal pastor, I mean, somebody who, doesn't believe in the Bible in the sense that it's um, with without error and they don't believe in miracles and they try and explain all these things away as like natural occurrences. And so there was a liberal Methodist professor or I mean pastor preaching on this text and somebody from the uh, this text being the parting of the Red Sea and someone in the in the church came up to the pastor afterward and said, man, Praise God. Isn't that a miracle that God parted the sea so that all these people could pass through? And he's like, well, actually, you know, the water really wasn't like a sea. It was really just probably a slow, you know, shallow brook. And they just kind of crossed over it in some area that they could. And, and then so he was explaining the miracle away. And he's like, well, man, praise God that he was able to drown an entire Egyptian army in six <laughs> inches of water. You know, this, and so you can't like the point being that the joke is you can't escape the fact of one way or the other. This was, 
you have to accept that this was a miracle yeah. um, that took place. Um, but it, it d- kind of does. I didn't get into that in my sermon at all. The the liberal worldview of this of like there's no way that these could have really happened but they're Mm -hmm. the same things and the flood could not have really happened and so many other things that have already happened in in the bible through genesis and up to this point Uh, obviously the plagues they try and explain all those things away so that's why i didn't put it in my sermon because i'm like we've already talked about this i'm not going to get into it now but it it was a funny joke Mm -hmm. that i heard in this yeah this is a miracle yeah, I mean, this is these are miraculous events. We have to see them as miraculous events. And I just approached it as a presumption. Everybody agrees here. These are miraculous events. There's and one thing that's been bugging me. I don't know if you have an explanation for it. Mm. But in there it says that Pharaoh got 600 of his choicest chariots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then everybody else. And then all the chariots. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that... The just all the chariots, then. Yeah, exactly. What's uh, what's your explanation? Well, <laughs> I don't have an explanation. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of repetition, though, mm. in this where it's like, and all the king's horses and all the king's men right. couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But like he says it over and over and over again: the king's chariots, his horsemen, and all these other people. I mean, I don't know, five times probably yeah. in the whole thing. It repeats that phrase. And I think it's probably a literary device for emphasis to Mm -hmm. show like that the most powerful forces in Egypt were being set up to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And even like his Navy SEALs, you know, even his like, I, I did read in a commentary that this chariot was like, I mean, it, it was the best tank in the world, you know, and this was the heaviest artir- artillery at that time, you know, yeah. and and so and they're marching down on them, you know. So I think it's just <clears throat> the emphasis to show like this was a powerful force coming after them, and if not for the grace of God and the power of God, they would have been utterly wiped out. But anyway, I yeah. think that's it. Nice, that's cool. Yeah, but it is that is an interesting little like note. Yeah, it's like I went out to the parking lot. And chose the five best cars and all the cars. And all the cars. <laughs> and yeah. and all the other ones, too. Yeah. It's just a way of saying, like, he didn't leave behind his strongest. Yeah. You know, like, he took those and everything. But, mm-hmm. he but definitely, these ones yeah. are noteworthy. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought uh, Tylen has been enjoying taking notes on the sermons um, in adult church, you know. Mm-hmm. But she had a really good, uh, she had your main point, you know, written down. And then below it, she drew a diagram. Uh, and I know it was a diagram because it was labeled diagram (laughs) 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 along with that, but it was all these stick figure people, uh, marching behind a pillar of fire, but the pillar of fire she drew had hands and it was like pointing that way. That's (laughs) awesome. It was pretty funny. I wish I could share it, but this is a podcast. So we only have things for your ears and not a video cast. (laughs) That's we'll, funny. We'll get there someday. Well, that wasn't actually in the text, though, so I think I'm going to have to... The pillar of fire probably, did it. It didn't say the pillar of fire was pointing. Yeah, you might need direction. to disciple your child a little bit. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Actually, That's I had a exactly question. That's exactly what I asked her. I was like, cool diagram, <coughs> but where do you see this in the text? Right, right, yeah. right. Um, uh, about the pillar, uh, it was interesting Like throughout this entire saga because it starts in uh, 13 where it talks about in 22 the pillar of cloud by day pillar of fire by night and then in 14 when it references it again um it says the angel of the lord it Mm -hmm. like attributes the pillar as the angel of the lord Mm -hmm. and then later as their um as it goes to like clog the chariots it actually just says in the morning watch the lord in the pillar of fire and cloud mm. looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic. So it was God himself. Yeah. Like, the, you didn't touch on this because obviously that's a detail that, you yeah. know, but it was interesting to think about how this was not, like this was something more than just a miracle that God was controlling. He was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. Did you think about it that? Goes or? with. I guess you did. You did did kind of mention that, yeah. I mean, I just made a passing comment, but certainly it is 
and it's not that I ignored it. Yeah. It's that it's it's sort of uh, I again it was a presumption of we're all understanding like this is God because it literally says it in the text, but in many ways it's sort of connecting it to the burning bush image yeah. right yeah so god is in the burning bush who is this he's revealing himself in the burning bush and there's certain like attributes about him that are being put on display through the mm. burning bush this is why moses later on refers to god as a consuming fire <clears throat> but remember we talked about that that the burning bush essentially is showing that god is uh, in control of creation um, as he's sort of hovering over this bush. That, but he does not draw upon the creation like he doesn't need it. So the the bush was not consumed. Remember, so it was like God is sort of connected to creation because he made it, but he is not dependent on his creation. Right. So even in here, and we talked about this idea of a theophany. Theophany is a fancy word of a God appearance. And so God appeared uh, prior to the incarnation, which is when God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Um, in the Old Testament, God made appearances, and this is that fancy word theophany, um, a God appearance in the Old Testament. And, mm. and he appeared in this way as a pillar of fire and as a cloud that ultimately uh, shaded his people in the hot sun and um, gave them light in the darkness. And I think that these are, again, communicating images and attributes about God, that he is light, that he is a consuming fire, um, that he protects his people, that he guides his people, all of these things. Um, but I think the biggest one is that he's present uh, with them uh, in the midst of them. And that yeah. this is not some other thing. This is God himself right. present. And I think the cloud is significant because like I, I did say in my sermon, that is going to come all the way back to the end. At the very end of Exodus, it ends with this idea and the cloud, which is another fancy word, the Shekinah mm -hmm. glory, um, comes down and dwells over the tabernacle and basically in the midst of God's people. And this is sort of the culmination, at least at the end of Exodus, that God's presence is with his people and his glory is with them. And it's like, we have arrived. God's glory is here and we are not in Egypt anymore. And this is amazing. And so the beginning of that, we see it kind of here. Um, but yeah, mm. it, the, the interesting thing is he leads them out, but he also protects them because that cloud, the angel of the Lord moved in behind, right? Yeah. So he comes <clears throat> in behind them. Um, it it kind of gave me the image of like, like when a an animal, like a, a bear or a mountain lion or something like that is going to attack somebody, they come from behind the people. Um, like if they're looking, they they sort of like hang out, you know? And then when they turn around and try to run away, that's when they pounce on them, you know? And it, it almost made me think of like the Lord moves in behind you to protect you as you sort of flee away. And, uh, and we know that the enemy is referred to as a, a lion, roaming yeah. about seeking whom he may devour and the armies of Egypt are coming down and they want to destroy them. But anyway, I, that, those are some of the images that I thought of in regard to these sections, you know, of, of the mm -hmm. way God appeared in that way. But I think it was really good that we, that you shaped, that you chose this amount of verses. Like you could just do chapter 14, uh -huh. but the fact that we did that, end of 13 connected to sure i thought that was really a good inclusion that, like the whole story fit well together well i think the idea that god leads his people yeah is sort of leads and then makes a way you know <clears throat> i i felt like it was in in some way setting up the the story like the end of 13 is sort of setting up the red sea situation yeah god is leading them out of uh in the exodus and he's leading them in this miraculous <coughs> way Oh, but there's more going on, you know, and he, he doesn't lead them the nearest way to the land of Canaan. He leads them the opposite direction and he leads them into a place of vulnerability that we see in chapter 14. You right. know? So I think when when you see it that way, it's it's pretty easy to connect them. Yeah. What's going on here, you know, which leads me to one maybe question we could start off with, which is like how in you in your life, mm. maybe 
have you sort of seen God working in this way where you thought you wanted to go an easy route Hmm. and God took you (laughs) in a totally different direction? And then in hindsight, as it is with them, we look back and say, I'm and now I can see why God did this and not that. Hmm. I don't know. Is there any experiences that you've had like that? I'm sure Cody has a lot of Cody. What you got? You're you're over there. What are you looking at? Can't tell you. Cody's got a lot of stories like that. Cody's I checking sports stores. I always forget that we're going to have like Bible trivia until the time. Oh, in the, the moment. The <laughs> Are you listening to this discussion? I was listening. Yeah. I mean, I'll give the short because uh, <clears throat> I gave this example um, uh, to my life group already when we were oh, discussing okay. this passage. Yeah. Mm. Um, but when I was a, a younger person, I had been, uh, I flunked out of. Uh, uh, Multnomah Bible College, because mm-hmm. um, the city of Portland was cooler than my classes, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go to them. Um, and I was living at home. I was just working, not paying any rent, not buying any food, not doing anything, right? Um, so just not really growing. And I'd been reading a lot of Christian books, and I was I came to the conviction that I didn't have much faith in God mm. because I didn't really have much reason to. Like everything was provided for me and that maybe if I didn't have such a cushy, easy life, I would have more faith in God. Um, so I moved to Southern California where Emily was going to college, um, with no job or a place to live or anything. (laughs) And on the way down, what was cool about it was on the way down, I got a call from like a friend of a friend. Um, who was like, my wife and I have some space. I heard you're moving down. Do you like want to live with us for a little while? And uh, we have like some storage where you can you can put your stuff in it, you know. Um, and so it was like this kind of neat moment. I'm like, man, I'm gonna strip away some of this like easiness in my life and see, you know, how God is going to work. And my time in Southern California, uh, you know, I I actually called it. Like I, I can find journals of what I was journaling to myself at <laughs> the time. And I was like my time in the desert, you know, uh-huh. so I was referring to it as, and God really did use it that way a little bit, you know, it was like a new experience that I like, ex, you know, cut a lot of sin out of my life. Mm-hmm. I grew a lot closer to God. I grew as a person, you know, um, but, uh, but even through all that, like when I first got down there, I was having trouble finding a job at first. And I was just kind of like annoyed with God, like, man, what am I doing down here? Like, how come this didn't work out? Um, Even like with him providing like literally in the car on the way down, like providing a place for me to live. And I still like in the in had moments of doubting him when it was just like kind of hard to find a job at first, you know. Um, And so I I likened that to this story (laughs) where it's like we got out of this and God led a certain way. And now I'm like, is this really the way that God's leading? What's he doing? Why is he leaving me out here? Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that is. You, so you kind of like chose to put yourself into a vulnerable position. Yeah, I mean, pretty dumb That's choice. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it's mean, definitely a choice you can make as a young person with like no one relying on you, no family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, th- I think it was a good choice for me. Yeah. I mean, sitting in my parents' basement with everything provided for me wasn't uh, going to help me grow. No, no. But you were in Orange County? Yeah, I was in Fullerton. Then that is not the desert. That is Orange County. <laughs> Dude, it's the wilderness. If if you grew up in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Everything's desert. You, no. go, you go to Southern California and you're like, what is this garbage country? <laughs> Dude, go to the IE. Go to when the actual I, desert. When, yeah, can I, when can I get back to the beautiful Pacific Northwest? That's all I was yeah. thinking about the whole time I was there. I'm mm. glad I'm here now. Even just walking down the street today, it's raining, but I'm like, I, I like it. <laughs> I just, I was happy It's so about cold it. right now. It is cold, but I'm loving it. That's an interesting story, though. I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of uh, even subtle things, but things that we don't even really recognize that God is leading us somewhere. We're just sort of like going, I don't want to say going through the motions, but like going day by day, normal disciplines, uh, and then, you know, we look back and be like, whoa, look at where God has led me over the last few years. Mm And I, and then even in all of those moments, we can see where God led us into positions of vulnerability. I mean, my highlight one that just, I can't not think about is even just coming here to Cambie Christian five years ago. Um, I, 
obviously I'm fully convinced that God led me here because I'm here. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like God led me into a position of vulnerability mm. and, um, I, I had much reason to fear. And at the same time, I had nothing to fear because I knew God was with me. And though there was serious, uh, struggle in, in a lot of ways at the same time, I've, I've, I felt like I was seeing God do crazy things. Uh, like amazing things, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was it was really hard, but there was bigger things going on than me, yeah. and so yeah, he was doing things in in my life and in my heart and soul and stuff like that, and helping me understand how he works and how to trust him, and but at the same time, there was a bigger work going on, and I needed to submit myself to the bigger work he was doing in the church and even in this city, and then knowing that three years later or whatever, two and a half years later, this, uh, I don't know, pandemic or whatever you want to call it would sweep <laughs> the area. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was preparing the church for that moment too. I think there was a lot going on. Um, but it was a position of vulnerability for sure. Mm-hmm. And, but recognizing God had a lot of other things going on at the same time yeah. rather than just, you know, me coming here and all that. Yeah. So I didn't want to be short sighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said it before. I've uh, pretty much every three and a half years, I switch churches. Yeah, and like some of those have been painful. Like they've they've all been legitimate reasons, um, but some of them have been painful. Well, it's always painful leaving yeah, yeah, the place. Yeah. And I've never like envisioned myself as a pastor who would like be one of those, even though that probably is kind of average. Sure, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting in all of those moments. It's like, what exactly is going on? Um, and then like when we arrived here, uh, I've said this before, I think this is the first char- church I've been a part of that is like growing, hmm. like actually growing. I've been on the downhill side of a lot of churches or like the kind of sputtering to start a church plant that never really gets off the ground side of churches. Hmm. Um, but to be at one that's growing and to look at it from the inside and be like, it's healthy here. Hmm. Like there's healthy leadership, there's healthy people it's growing like at at a good pace because good choices are being made and people are being discipled into leadership positions where they can lead things mm-hmm. and growth coming from there. Like, um, you know, it's interesting to like not really know what's going on um, with these churches that I've left and then to arrive here with the experiences I've had, the things I've learned and to be able to, you know, be a part of this now. Um, I can kind of look back and see what God was teaching me in each of those situations. Sure. Which is cool to be a part of. I mean, I'm sure Rob has similar feelings of arriving here finally, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that all of those steps along the way, God was teaching you things that you're bringing to the table now, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's what we see in part here. I just love in verse um, uh, 17 of chapter 13, when we get a picture into what God is actually thinking. What is like that's a rare thing where, you know, for God said, lest the people change their mind. I'm not going to send them by the way of the Philistines unless they change their mind. And they, when they see war and return to Egypt and instead, I'm going to do this other thing, which is still pretty dang crazy. Like you're going to go and put yourself in this super vulnerable position and you're going to have to rely and I will fight for you. Yeah. But they don't know that yet. You know what I mean? But it's just rare. We don't always get to know what God is thinking. Uh, Obviously, in the moment, perhaps that was not known, but in hindsight, as mm-hmm. Moses is writing yeah. the the account of the Exodus, and he obviously has a a relationship with God and hears from him, he gets those words from him, and, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to see. But yeah, there are definitely many times in my life when I when I was thinking, what is going on, uh-huh. and then I look back and I see what God was doing, mm-hmm. and I think the hard part for us is to keep keep those in our minds that's going to happen again. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to happen again in your life where something is going on and you're going to be at a loss for wondering what is going on. Why, why are you doing this God? And the hard part is reminding ourselves to trust like he, like Moses gets to fear, not stand firm and watch what God's going to do. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, the, that in, in the future when Moses is looking back 
now hindsight is 2020 and he realizes the answer to his earlier question why god are you not leading me the short route he realizes oh because the people weren't ready right. um and they they would have escaped back to egypt but what's funny is not only did he use them as bait to bait the egyptians in but he put them in between this rock and a hard place they couldn't they couldn't escape if they wanted to mm. and so he put them in the situation where it's like they couldn't escape uh and and they were going to see they were going to learn in that moment as the egyptians were going to learn in that moment that he is lord and he is god mm. to the one that means salvation for you for the other one that means judgment for you and it's just it's i mean who can write this stuff <laughs> this is this is amazing like yeah. the it's just an incredible uh, story and demonstration in real history, yeah. but the way it's being told is communicating theological truth that is ultimately for our benefit so that we can read these stories and understand the way God works, but then understand why why the things are happening in our own lives. But, but like you were saying there, Cody, it's important for us to take those moments once a year, twice a year, maybe even more than that, to reflect back on what what is God doing? I think being a person of reflection is is important because then maybe we can learn the lesson quicker, more yeah. in a more robust way. Um, the way God works, it's it's kind of what we think about in in regard to meditation. Mm-hmm. We meditate on Scripture, but we're also meditating our on our situation or the things that we've been going through in light of Scripture and in light of God's character, and then come to biblical conclusions. Um, Hmm. I think that those are some of the, anyway, some of the things that we can put into practice Mm -hmm. from this story. One of the things I did want to mention, because I jumped over it, was the little parenthetical thing about Joseph. Oh, yeah, Joseph's bones. You said you you tell us every detail of that. What is the deal? There's not a lot of detail. I mean, basically, (laughs) Genesis, here the mention is basically to say, those who were paying attention in the book of Genesis right. and at the end in Joseph's life, remember when Joseph uh, asked them, hey, when the Lord delivers you, I th- let me see if I can find the reference here. I think it's Genesis 50. Yeah, Genesis 50, verse 25. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here, which is basically a direct quotation in Exodus, what is being said there. Um, but Joseph, 400 years earlier. I was going to say, am I right in thinking that's 430 years yeah. before? Yeah. 430 but, years So where earlier. were his bones? They were Somebody in, kept track of them. Man, he was in Egypt, man. he was. They entombed that man. Yeah. And so he was probably huh. went through the whole embalming process and all of that stuff. So they... They had preserved him, and so they took his body out of there. But I think it's – so in, in, in Genesis 50, we have this um, request from Joseph based in faith. Hey, God is going to visit you in the future. Like he, he brought you into this place to protect you, to grow you. But one day he will visit you again and pull you out of this place and he's saying all of that based on earlier promises that God had made. And by faith, he believes it. And he's like, I want to be a part of what you're doing, even if it means just my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, because one day, again, going even further into the future, uh, there'll be a resurrection from the dead. And I want to be a part of that, too, in the promised land. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the uh, actual event in Genesis 50. You've got the reference here in Exodus where they're saying, clo- sort of closing the story because anyone reading would be like, hey, whatever happened to Joseph's request when you guys left? Did you grab Joseph's bones? And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. we did. We did. We grabbed the bones. And then in Joshua 24, back in list. we are told where they buried his bones once they got out of the land. They buried him in the land of Shechem. Um, but then we have this in Hebrews 11. Okay. Uh, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention <coughs> of the exodus which in the Exodus, he just says, God will surely visit you. But he's, he made mention of the Exodus, of the Israelites, and gave directions concerning his bones. So yeah. according to the author of Hebrews, he's saying that Joseph had faith to look forward hundreds of years and and make mm-hmm. preparations for his own bones. Right, <laughs> saying, right. hey, deliver, 
yeah. me out when you uh, take my body with you when you leave, which I think is a really interesting thing. Is but there I, yeah. a Hebrew significance to where your bones are placed? Um, I think it's just this idea of being in the promised land. He just, yeah, yeah. he believed in it and wanted... I mean, if we want to get into like an ethic of like, you know, should we cremate and like, you know, burials and all that other stuff. I think it's this <clears throat> idea of like they wanted to be in the land of promise. Yeah. And because it's sort of significant in regard to uh, life, eternal life, and them essentially believing in the promises of God. And so I think that's just kind of, kind of what we're seeing here, you know. Yeah. It's not and to, in yeah. in like the foreshadowing of a physical resurrection. Yeah. That your 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 physical body, though it sort of returns to dust, will be resurrected. Resurrected. Yeah. yeah. Which is an important thing. Don't don't ask Al Mohler. He has a very harsh stance against cremation. Cremation. Yeah. And a lot of people do. But anyways, we don't need to get into that. But one thing um, in my small group, it's interesting that you mentioned the the aspect of faith with Joseph. Um, because we did this exercise where we broke into, we had a small group, we broke our small group into smaller groups mm. and, um, which was really, it was a really cool thing that we did. Like each group had to determine one word, like summarize the main theme or idea in a word to help like narrow down the meaning of, and <clears throat> so each group came of up this with this whole section of the whole section. Yeah. And each group came up with a different word. Waymaker. <laughs> no one said waymaker. There was <laughs> redeem redeemer, right? Or re redeemed? Um, or no, 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 not redeem. I'm sorry, delivered. Sorry, deliverance was one of it. Mm -hmm. So you see that throughout, of course. Sure. Um, another group emphasized the omnipotence of God or the power of God on display. Mm. Um, one group mentioned, um, but it, one group mentioned faithful as like a word, like God is faithful to His promise mm. of leading the people. And there's all these different aspects. The people are are demonstrating faith as they go between these walls of water, which God could, you know, like that takes a lot of faith. These these walls are being held up by the power of God. You could easily be swallowed up by them. You know, like that's got to be a terrifying thing to walk through these through this, you know, channel that has been created. Like just imagine yourself mm. in that situation. It takes a lot of faith to follow in that situation. Yeah, and Moses, of course, what he did, but just this fact that that this mention of Joseph, I think, um, is another indication of this idea of of faith in trusting in God's leadership, hmm. trusting in God's promises. You know what I mean? We see that really throughout this text that God will make a way, and and we and Moses's main um, <clears throat> what indicative, I guess, in verse thirteen: fear not, stand firm. You know, trust and see the salvation of the Lord. And what's interesting in that section is he says, the Lord will fight for you, which is amazing. And then you have only to be silent, mm -hmm. which was to me, that really hit me. Hmm. But it also made me think, does, is that something that like, could we apply that idea to us now? Or was that just for the Israelites then? Mm. If so, how, like, what does it mean for us to be silent and watch or, or do, should we not think about it that way? What do you think, Aaron? I, I mean, I think, <clears throat> so right before that, they're griping, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're complaining. Yeah, so I think... Are there not enough graves? Why? Right. I think that... <laughs> you think that's what... <laughs> be silent is basically like stop griping um, because when you're... Whether you're saying these words in your mind or whether you're vocalizing them out loud they create a toxic culture within your community of unbelief. Mm. And so I think that you're not that we, you know, speak things into existence, but sometimes our words do have the ability to change an emotion or change yeah. feelings or these kinds of things. And so words do have power. And so I think that's what he's essentially addressing in regard to be silent. Um, it's same in the Psalms, be still and know that I'm God, you know? Right. Um, he's, he's not asking anything from us in this moment other than just be, stop griping and watch what I'm going to do. <laughs> what I find interesting though, is the very next section, Moses cries out to the Lord and then he says, dude, move forward. So it's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to stand firm and sit here, be silent? Or am I supposed to move? And, I think he's saying, yes, you're supposed to do both of those things, mm -hmm. right? Like, 
the water, you didn't make the water part. God did through his servant Moses and his command, in obedience to his command. God made the water part, but they still had to, as you were saying, walk through it by faith. And yes, God has done everything to uh, provide for us salvation. Um, we did not save ourselves. Uh, this is the story of the gospel. And yet we still have to walk in it. We still have to walk in obedience. We still have to trust in him in every single day in the midst of all of the obstacles and uh, confusing things in the world that is against us. Um, we have to walk in all of that. I remember listening to somebody talk about salvation and, and then Lord has done everything for you. And yes, he has. But at the same time, he, he doesn't believe for you. You have to believe. Um right. You have to take those steps forward to walk in obedience. And so it's sort of this like active and passive dance that we do where we're sort of locked in and and uh, we're united to Christ. He's doing the thing and we're just following him, but we still got to follow. We still got to walk. And it's it, it's a really interesting sort of way of thinking about these things, you know. But I don't know if that fully answers your like. Yeah. In regard to being silent, I think it's like just stop complaining and stand firm in the promises. Um, but at the same time, you need to move forward. The be silent thing is funny because then the next thing is he cries out to God, which we think, man, there's never an inappropriate time for prayer, right? Like, and I, like I was saying, and I listened to that sermon where he told that Methodist liberal pastor joke. And he was, he was saying in that, like, a lot of people use prayer as a means of procrastination. Mm. They know the right thing to do. And we hear it all the time, right? Hey, uh, you should become a member of the church. And then they respond and say, oh, man, yeah, let me pray about that. Which is basically, I'm going to put that off. I'm just <laughs> going to keep putting that off. I know it's the right thing to do. I've been coming for a while. I've been attending. I'm serving. I'm in a life group. I'm giving already. But I don't know if I'm ready to commit yet and submit myself and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not ready to be baptized because then they just they use prayer as a means of procrastination. Mm. And I don't mean to be overly clear at this point in the podcast, <laughs> but we do that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, well, let me pray about it. And it's like, dude, if you know the right thing to do, do it like you don't need to pray about it. Like you're, so you know, you're supposed to be doing these things. God has communicated them in his word. Um, if you go and pray, he's not going to say, yeah, don't, don't obey what I say, like mm -hmm. in my word. Um, it, if anything, the prayer is just an acknowledgement of, you know, thanks and, uh, submission to him and those kinds of things. But anyway, it was, it was a really funny point in the sermon I was listening to where he essentially just called people out. Like, dude, you use prayer as a procrastination and maybe he's speaking that here to these people. Like, why are you crying out to me? I've already told you, you guys need to move forward. Um, there's no more confusion here. My orders are this, go do it, you know? And I, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty funny thing. And, and you know, in the text. <clears throat> yeah, that was a little nod that you made as you're reading the final section. Yeah. But I thought it was a really good note. I wrote it down in my notes. Um, just as like, cause that, that is a little puzzling in the story where God says to him, why do you cry to me? Uh -huh. Cause our, yeah, I think my initial reaction was like, it was a little bit strange that God reacted that way. But then in light of the whole, um, context, it makes more sense. Um, that and you, you basically said this statement, you said like, there's a time to stop praying and start doing yeah 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 and it's like that's that's kind of a i mean that's a really good point to make and it's something we need to be mindful of yeah because the if they had just stayed there and not by faith walked through the path that god miraculously provided for them yeah then they would have been trampled by the chariots you know yeah so they had to put their their faith and trust into action and actually walk across which would have been terrifying yeah especially like we, our group was talking about it i think cat um piazza was like how in the world did they get these little kids 
to go with them through this, you know? <laughs> Dude, these kids were like, yes, <laughs> I know. this is awesome. It's the parents who are freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> right, man. Everyone, uh, yeah, some of the people who have, like, little kids are like, oh, if my son was there, he'd just be wanting to, like, play with the fish and the water. The and, wall like, of water. The wall of water. How cool is that? Like, it, that, there's just yeah. so many things that aren't in the text. Like, you have to read into it and think what was actually going on. But it's it's wild to, it to is wild. imagine what that would be like, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it is. It, we <coughs> talked a little bit about that, that it, you see the like cart. It's one of those stories you grow up with in children's ministry and yeah. you have the cartoon version of. But this is a pretty epic scale. Like we're like this wasn't a short crossing. You know, like this took place over a period of time. So, mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it took all night grand, just apart. Exactly. So it had to have taken them. I don't know, at least a day yeah. or something. At least a full day, it, yeah. yeah, for sure. But it's interesting, too. <coughs> they go across on dry land, and by the time the chariots are, get there, they're, like, bogged down in mud, and it's, like, it's getting kind of wet in here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What happened to that dry? Like, there, it's almost like you could tell it's coming. Like, you know, stuff is getting soggy, and we are, this is not working the way it's supposed to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. there's a weird word in the Hebrew there. Congealed? <laughs> no, <laughs> ESV renders it as clogging, but then the the NIV, I guess, says their wheels fell off. Their wheels fell uh, off. Yeah, in Hebrew, it's uh, the note in the ESV says binding, and there's several different words used in the different versions of the Old Testament, from the Septuagint to the Syriac like text. The Hebrew word it says is removing. Like that word that huh, interesting. in uh, verse 25 of chapter 14 in the ESV is clogging. But I think generally the idea is God deliberately prohibits yeah, the armies from getting up. through. <laughs> and for the reason that he is going to use his servant Moses to judge them and yeah. allow the water to overtake yeah. them. But um, but there it's, it's a weird little, we don't know exactly what that means. Hmm. Like somehow. He yeah. clogged their wheels. It was heavy. Jammed like, a stick in there. Like <clears throat> yeah. kids riding his bike, you stick a stick in their spokes and they go flying. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. I didn't do a ton of... Did you look into that much at all? No, but it is It is sort of... Uh, it's already appeared so far in Genesis, certainly at the Tower of Babel, when God oh, confused yeah. the languages, right? Mm-hmm. It's an act of judgment already. Um but you'll we'll see it over and over again in um, in Joshua and, and then obviously in the Kings and Chronicles when they come up against these armies and God confuses the armies and they end up mm. like slaughtering themselves. Yeah, and you're and the Lord wins the victory for them. But they they get so consumed with hate and evil intent and all of these things that. Um, the the confusion comes in and they become self-destructive and i think that you i mean we could see that even in our own day um where people are so consumed with confusion and or with hate or evil or sin or whatever that they become confused and self-destructive and i think there's these patterns here where it becomes this massive group of people that do it Um, but i i don't know that was just the way i interpreted that seeing it in light of the this common theme that will keep coming over and over again is when the enemies of God's people come up against them and then they end up getting confused and uh and it ultimately ends up being their sort of undoing um yeah but yeah i think one of the other themes in this and i i kind of brought it up was how we are so easily satisfied and i i was I wanted to put in my favorite C.S. Lewis quote um, in this section, but it'll be, it's just a constant theme for God's people where they're just, they, they want to go back to Egypt because they're so afraid of moving ahead. And it reminds me of a leadership principle that leadership is taking people where they don't want to go, but they're happy when they get there. (laughs) They're like, they're, they're so afraid of change and they've accepted the present normal, right. even if they hate it, they hate where they're at, but they fear the process of getting to mm. where they need to be. And and I think that leadership and leaders have to suffer through people's uh, angst 
and fears and frustrations and they blame you, the leader, for it. Um, and so there's a lot of leadership principles. But then that when we they get there, they're, they're like, so yeah. happy. And, I mean, and the leader father, is like super we, wounded. We all know that feeling when you tell your kids, we're going to go somewhere. And they're like, oh, I don't really want to go. Then you get there and they're like, I don't want to leave. I love right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, even just telling people, hey, you should join a life group. I know <laughs> I should, but I, you know, the, the, and then you like, and then they come to life group and they're like, I'm so glad I did that. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's what we've been telling you. You should do it, you know? But like here, they're so afraid of what's about to happen, which they shouldn't be. It's and it and it, it's a rational fear in light of what they're seeing. It's an irrational fear in light of what they've already seen by faith. Look at what God has done. Um, but we often settle for mediocrity. We settle for less. We settle for you know. I'm I'm always going to struggle with this sin. Mm. I'm always going to I'm always going to have to deal with that relationship that is never going to reconcile. And I'm going to be honest, I've, I've felt the same way sometimes. Um, you know, that person will never want to make things right or whatever. Um, anyway, th but this C.S. Lewis quote so good. I'll just, I, I found it online, but he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Hmm. And so his point is essentially to say, like, it's not that our ambitions are too high. He's saying our ambitions are actually too low. Because if our ambitions were high, we would want what God wants for us and not <laughs> yeah. what we want for ourselves. We settle for things that to the world's standards and to our flesh's standards seem very high. But in the eternal economy, they're actually really small. Um, and we don't know how to make sacrifices in our own hearts and lives in order to achieve or attain or gain what it is that God has promised for us. Yeah. And, and in that sense, we're all too easily satisfied mm -hmm. but god isn't and he mm -hmm. won't settle for anything less than a total renovation project of our lives in order to conform us into the image of christ and it, it made me think about a like if you get a trainer in the gym you know you know you need to lose a little weight or you know you want to do something amazing right like you you want to be this epic football player or something but you're like, dude, I don't want to do another set of squats. <laughs> like, I don't want to do another set of cleans or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, my body hurts, everything. And then the coach comes in and says, no, I am committed to you running a faster mile, you know, pushing harder in, in the end zone or whatever. So you're going to do this next thing. And they, they push you forward. And you're happy when that they did. But, man, you hate every second of it when mm -hmm. it's happening, you know? Yeah. And... And in one sense, that's what the Lord does when he allows trials in our lives is to conform us into the image of Christ. And at the end of the day, we're, we're happy when he does it. But, man, it's hard in, right. in the process, not only to let go of those things, um, but to have our minds transformed is, is a difficult process. But anyway, anyway, those were things that I was, like, reflecting on. Fun fact, that is my Instagram bio. Is that is quote, what? that C.S. Lewis quote? Oh, is it? Yeah, in part. Yeah, I really, really, and actually one of my favorite songs of all time is called A Holiday at Sea, based on the quote. It's really good. Oh, By wow. a band called Anathalo. Hmm. It's really good, really weird. Is it indie. hardcore? No, it's like an no. indie band. It's Go always, check it out if you want to look. I don't even, they're not even around, around anymore, but it's such a good song about, I mean, they, yeah, they use that quote, and they're a Christian band, but they were talking about, um, <clears throat> yeah, how, how blinded we can be, and how, how beautiful God really is, and how we we settle for so for so much less. I thought yeah. that was a really interesting point you made. And it wasn't one that was on the forefront of my mind as I was reading it ahead of time mm -hmm. and in our group, but I thought it was really applicable and an interesting angle. It's just, it's cool to see how the Holy Spirit reveals different emphasis to different mm -hmm. people. And, and so... But we're going to see it. I mean, we're, we're going to see, see it Israel. over and over again. Exactly. Israel will do that over and over. Like, yeah. man, I wish we could go get those meat pots back in Egypt, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you have, that's yeah. Well, because they're just they like, they want to return constantly. Yeah, you were sitting there playing in the mud and you were having fun. You don't want to move on and yeah. you don't, you get to go to the ocean and make sandcastles at the beach. Like it's going to be rad. 
but you're like, nah, dude, I'm not done playing with my mud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like that. Because <clears throat> the story of Exodus is not just God pulling the his people out of Egypt, but pulling Egypt out of his people. Yeah. And so... That's, I actually just read a quote as I was getting ready for... Jenny uh, from the block? No, as I was getting, the girl, The girl from the hood? As I was... Getting, <laughs> I don't even... I, I'm laughing, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> how, how you, you you can take the girl you can take the girl out of the hood oh, but you can't take uh, the hood out of the girl yeah, yeah. no as i was getting ready for bible trivia there was a quote in there it said it it took god one night you know to get israel out of egypt but it'll take him 40 years to get egypt out of israel yes yeah. and and that's what we're seeing here is god not only needed to save them from egypt but save them from Egypt, right? Like <laughs> yeah. in a different from, sense. In right. a different sense. Yeah. Like they were longing for that. And and God needs to He saved us from the world and those things that sought to destroy us. But when he saves us in Christ, he's also saving us from ourselves. And we are our <laughs> own uh self-destructive enemies and we fabricate, as John Calvin said, uh, idols in our hearts, right? Our hearts are idol factories and we're just always creating new things to worship other than God. And so he, in, in this instance, he's showing that he alone is God, not just to the Egyptians, but also to the Israelites. And so, and they're going to screw up. They're going to, as soon as they move in to Sinai, they're going to make a golden calf and they're going to start worshiping at it. And they're going to do all kinds of weird things. I mean, and again, we can look down on them and think you guys are nuts, but I mean, we do the same stuff in much yeah. subtler ways yeah. and sometimes not, but right. Who is the problem? Yeah. Uh, you, it's yeah. me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's that, it's that song. Uh, <laughs> you know, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Uh, oh, we song. were talking about a different uh, song. We here. Talking, oh, dang it. Cause we the were great listen, Taylor Swift. <laughs> we were listening to Taylor, Taylor Swift <laughs> on the way to lunch today. <laughs> Oh man! Oh. The other one, the last thing we should not miss was uh, the mention. Get with of, the times, Aaron. Dude, just, I'm not, I'm I not tracking to her Joe album. To all the no, <laughs> <laughs> you need to. Yeah. Oh jeez, maybe I'm uh, closer to forty now, so <laughs> they're just getting less and less relevant. Um, but uh, the the whole thing about how Paul picks up on this theme of them passing through the waters as, and he relates it to baptism. Mm -hmm. This is in first Corinthians. Paul writes, I do not want you to be unaware brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, which is a very strange sort of turn of phrase, but he's essentially saying, their savior was Moses. Our savior is Jesus, who is the greater Moses. They were baptized through the water as they pa passed through the water. Old life dead. New life has come uh, in faith as they uh, followed God's savior. Because at the end of the section we looked at, it says that they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Mm -hmm. So again, Paul is picking up on this. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate of the same spiritual food, which we'll get into in a couple of uh, sermons later. All drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. He's quoting mm. from basically 1317 all the way into chapter 18 yeah. of, of Exodus and relating it to their baptism, their union together in Christ, but also in the body of Christ and how, and there's ethical implications for that. But I thought that was a pretty interesting thing that he would sort of, the way that he would take that story and then apply it to the church in Corinth and as a basis for their unity in Christ. And, uh, anyway, that's, that same thing applies to us. Mm. And I just thought that was kind of a cool thing to bring up, but I didn't want to bring it up my sermon because I didn't have time for that. Nice, but it is, and everyone helpful. appreciates that. That's why it's, we have this. That it I is helpful to understand parts of the Old Testament by looking to mm -hmm. how the New Testament authors refer to them. Yeah, so it is really helpful to look at that. Yeah, when the Bible interprets itself, it's always right. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Man, this how is, a great is the New Testament's section. use of the Old Testament? Great stories. 
And yeah. you can look at that under the whole understanding of like a biblical theology, or you can just look at it as, you know, quotations or allusions from the Old Testament and how those give meaning to the text you're reading <coughs> and then to the Christian life now. But mm-hmm. anywho, good, cool. good text. Yep. God makes a way. Don't ever forget it. Absolutely. He makes a way. Oh. Volunteer of the week. Volunteer of the week. I can't remember what we said. Oh my goodness. Rob will announce the volunteer of the week. Okay, volunteer of the week this week because this past week we kind of highlighted, well, actually, maybe it was, yeah, we highlighted some of the folks who hosted trunks for the trunk retreat on Sunday, especially. We announced the winners and on the podcast last mm-hmm. week, we announced the winners. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to give a shout out to all those folks who came out and helped with like the other volunteer things yeah. that we had who did so, not set up a trunk but they helped yeah. out with the other stuff right? yeah so a few of the folks i'm thinking about so this is like a big group volunteer of the week i guess but mm-hmm. uh volunteers uh, amanda hirschberger and monique oja and yep. the campbells sean and kim and there was another yeah. um there's another like young man a teenager who sean he no huh sean 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 yeah he came and helped out kind of later he was working late he's got a new job Mm -hmm. shout out to sean he came and helped but i was thinking of this kid named malachi he's like high school kid he goes oh yeah tall he's a part of the cc group here yep yep and uh doesn't go go to church here but he was uh, they were all here and he helped out that's cool for a good length of time he's an interesting guy (laughs) and uh yeah and so i just a big shout out to all those um people who dedicated hours sitting um you know with the rain and kids throwing rings at them and, and <laughs> balls and all that kind of stuff and trying to catch ducks and whatnot. Right. Uh, it was pretty wild, and uh, it was a really big help and awesome to see. And I think, um, yeah, the Campbells are pretty newer to the church. Just um, mm-hmm. getting to know them has been awesome. They're a mm-hmm. part of Dave Howard's life group. Right. Mm-hmm. Sat in with them, and it's always fun to talk with them. And then uh, I know Monique's helping with youth now, right? Yes. Or she's yep, preparing to, or she's already no, she helping. Is. Awesome. Yeah, she's been helping, yeah. Very sure. cool. Probably a month. Yeah, <clears throat> something like yeah that. that's great. So um, shout out to them. If you see them around, give them a high five. Yeah, when you see any of those people who are helping lead <laughs> activities, thank them that uh, Trunk or Treat went so well because mm-hmm. it was awesome, and we do appreciate them. It's time for Bible Trivia right now. Bible Trivia. Uh, here it is. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It is this. Okay, so Exodus. I mean, it ultimately, it's a story about God and his people, but it's also the story of Moses. It mm-hmm. marks the beginning of the story of Moses. So here's the question. How much of the Bible is dedicated to the story of Moses? You can use a fraction. You can use a percentage. How much of the oh. Bible is Moses's story? You mean like including Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, yeah, like all Moses, of it? His whole life. Oh my. I mean, his life. I'm is... gonna say 25. percent mm. No. I mean, it, it, even even like references in other parts of Scripture. I mean, there's oh well, no, just no, no, like no, no. the okay. beginning of his life to the end of it to the what would be Moses's story, beginning of his story to the end of his story. Mm, There's obviously other characters, and the main character is God. I'm gonna I'm gonna say seven percent of the Bible. <laughs> you already said twenty five. Yeah, you said. 25. I'm going. I'm going fifteen. No, I who wins? I, I was thinking all the other references. I'm gonna say seven percent. Yeah, Aaron said twenty five. I guess said fifteen. It is about one seventh, which is fourteen point two. Oh, I was closer. Three nine seven six five something. Percent. I win. Pretty good. How it's much? E- what is it? It's one seventh Almost. of the Bible is the so that's fourteen percent of yeah. Moses. But fourteen point two. Wow. Eight, three, four, five, six, seven, it's about fifteen percent, which is what I solid. Said. Robert. Yeah. This it's is a, a weird question, though. It is. A weird I just question. have to say, it's sort of a weird trivia question. It's a weird <laughs> trivia question. I run out of trivia, dude. There was like the next <laughs> section is all poetry. It was hard to find a, a, a trivia from that. Section. Yeah. Yeah. But that's equivalent to about two thirds of the New Testament, which is kind of interesting. That's a big old chunk of I mean, wow. Moses. Is, he's that's a big, a big deal. chunk of the Bible. Yeah, he's a very important. Figure. I mean, can you think outside of Jesus of a greater figure? I mean, Abraham Maybe. obviously is like a patriarch, but mm-hmm. like David obviously is significant but like i don't know moses is like maybe david is the only other rival for the percentage of like yeah story true yeah yeah 
David is well. David is king, <laughs> as and they say. Jesus is the son of David. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. This one also, though, I don't know. uh, This interesting facts about Exodus I'm looking at right here says that it was about three to four million people that left Egypt in the Exodus. I think that's probably right. Well, well, I mean, what what was it like? Six hundred thousand men. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if if a family had yeah five kids, three to four million is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you know, and then you've got grandmas and grandpas and yeah. Yeah, I mean, so imagine that <clears throat> mass amount of people moving across a sea. I mean, it it could have taken multiple days. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And that's why the cloud had to, and the fire had to, you know, move block, in behind right. and block and protect. But anyway, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah one of the things that someone brought up was that. So that's what I was saying, going <clears throat> across, yeah. Only 600, because the number that's given is 600 of the choicest chariots. Which is mm. tiny. The chariot for everyone. I mean, 600, but then you're like, oh, but the armies and the horsemen, and they're like, it's additional people. It's not just the 600, it's all the chariots. So there had to be a big force. And not only that, but most of the people who were with Israel, you know, there was only 600,000 fighting men, which is still a big, a big force, but there was many, many children. Right. Yeah. Mm. Interesting historical. Very is. Very interesting. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.